Welcome to the Universe in a Glass, the podcast where we trade drinks with friends and share the stories behind our favorite beverages. As always, we're joining you from the historic Line Hotel in the heart of Adams Morgan, Washington, D.C. We are especially honored uh, to be joined by the incomparable Nsiki Biela uh, today, uh, the first black woman winemaker in South Africa post-apartheid. Uh, born in rural KwaZulu-Natal, she earned a scholarship to study winemaking at prestigious Stellenbosch University. Upon her graduation, she was hired to run the cellar at the boutique local winery, uh, Stella Kaya. Uh, her rise has been meteoric ever since. She was voted South African's Woman Winemaker of the Year in 2009 and launched her own label, Aslina, in 2017. Uh, we have uh, enjoyed your wines for a while, uh, Nsiki, um, and admired you from afar. We're honored to have you with us. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, my pleasure. Um, so uh, just for the sake of those of you joining us for the first time, the premise here is simple. And for uh, Nsiki, uh, who is joining us just steps removed from uh, her taxi from the airport. Uh, thank you so much for uh, turning around so quickly and diving in front of a microphone. I thought actually we were running late. I was like, we're not going to make this 1 p.m. appointment. Oh, you killed it. <laughs> you killed it. Uh, you had a good driver. Um, uh, so we're going to taste uh, wine of yours, um, uh, which is the Umsasane, which is a Cabernet Sauvignon blend. And then um, you're going to get a chance to taste uh, a local wine that's also a Bordeaux blend that I wanted to share with you. Uh, we will, um, you know, dish about wine and life, uh, and then uh, I'll close things out with a bit of verse. Uh, if you on the listening end like the sound of what we're drinking, both wines will be available for sale at Reveler's Hour. Uh, is Washington's premier wine and pasta bar directly across the street from our Line Hotel studio. Uh, before we taste, uh, a few questions about your life before wine, Nsika. Uh, what is your first formative food or drink memory? Um, I think it wasn't actually before wine. Uh, I think one of my memories was when one of my wines, that was in 2006, um, had won a medal. And I took that wine home to my grandmother because it got gold. Uh, this was the Michelangelo yes, Award? Yes, that, that was my first medal that my wine got. And I was so excited and I decided to take it home. So I said to my grandmother, hey, I've got wine, it got a medal, it got gold, and she was so excited for me. And I opened the wine and poured it in cups for us to taste. Um, I think <laughs> it was very exciting. Like, I could see the pride in her, and then she took a sip. And then literally the facial expression was saying the opposite of what came out of her <laughs> mouth. Because she was like, it's nice, but the facial expression, you know, just ate something that is sour or something. Uh, but I understood because I remembered my very first memory of tasting wine, which was um, when I just came to, 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 to the Western Cape uh, to study in Stellenbosch. Yeah, I, I, I'd actually read that you tasted with uh, Jabulani uh, Chungase. Uh, ja, yes, Jabulani Chungase. He was the guy who recruited us from school. Yeah, and, um, and a trailblazer in and of his own right. Exactly, exactly, yes, yes. And um, what was your first reaction to wine? Was it a lot like your grandmother's? More or less the same, actually, <laughs> because 
I remember, except I didn't do the, what do you call it? Because Jablani, before we tasted, he was talking about the plums, the fruits. You know, when somebody passionately tells you about stuff that you're going to be picking up on the wine and you're thinking this is going to be nice. I didn't really do that for my grandmother. I was like, just told her about the one that won the medal and let her taste. Um, but with Jablani talking about how beautiful the wine was, I was so expecting this beautiful, for me, sweet was beautiful. So I was thinking it's going to be nice and sweet because it's plums. It's, you know, he's been mentioning fruits. And I tasted it and it was just the most horrible thing. So, <laughs> yeah, those were the memories of me and wine. I, I kind of love that because a lot of people, a lot of people in the wine world, you know, they focus on this road to Damascus moment. Like, what was the first bottle that turned you on to wine? And I like that you had the opposite experience. So the first bottle turned you off of wine and yet you persisted in it. Uh, which, yes, yeah. because I wanted to study. Yeah. So it, I, I remember after taking that sip and I'm like, so is this what I'm going to make? <laughs> yeah. You know, it was like a giveaway to say, ah, this thing. Um, but then, yeah, I, I wanted to study. I needed to change my life. So I went ahead. That's amazing. Um, yeah. And uh, just for the sake of, you know, those that are less familiar with your story, um, Aslina is your grandmother. Yes, Aslina is my grandmother. Um, I love the image of her wincing and just like smiling at the same time. Uh, she, yeah, she tastes the gold medal wine. <laughs> it's, it's like what you do when your child gives you something. Yeah. You, know, you get excited, you don't show that like, this is bad, but you're like, it's beautiful. Yeah, it goes yeah. up on the refrigerator and it's amazing. Exactly. <laughs> um, uh, did you grow up in um, a, like a food-loving household? I know that your grandmother was really important in your life. I, I'd read that uh, your mother worked in Durban, and so yeah. uh, you spent a lot of time with your grandmother. Was she a good cook? Okay, just to look at the question of saying food-loving, um, I think food is food. We have to eat, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> that, there has to be food. Um, but she, like, one of my biggest memories was Whenever I've been away, coming back home, my grandmother would make dumplings in chicken curry. So that was chicken curry. She she was using masala, and that was my favorite, and still is my favorite today. Yeah. So yeah. Oh, very cool. Um, yeah. Do you have any of your wines that you particularly like to drink with that dish? Um, interestingly, recently, <laughs> I think when I went to Japan, we tasted the cab, and they paired it with uh, spicy noodles. Uh huh. And I was like, spicy noodles. You know, and then I came back and then I was like, okay, let's try this dumpling and chicken masala with the cab because it worked beautifully with the spicy noodles. And then I was like, okay, it works. So, yeah. Did anyone in your family, you know, drink wine growing up or any fermentables for that matter? So we didn't grow up in a, in a wine country or yeah. in a wine region. In a, so I'm from Guazulu Natal. What we have there is um, sugar cane got fields and fields of sugarcane and there's avocados there's amadumbe which is like a potato but it's not a potato uh-huh. um we've got all those vegetables and whatnot uh, but we don't have it's not a wine region so for me even when i was coming to study winemaking i didn't know i was studying winemaking i thought it was well when i was studying i find out that what i thought was wine was ciders so but we have our own traditional beer which is made of maize meal and malt. Uh-huh. So that's the beer that when we've got ceremonies in the village, when we've got what, no, whether it's celebration, whether it's 
that's the beer that has to, it, it's a must. It has uh, and I, I love your logo is a nod to that uh, local that kind of fermentation tradition, isn't exactly. it? Exactly, the logo is on that. The, that's the calabash way we drink this traditional beer. So I decided to add grapes just to combine the, to infuse the cultures. It's it's your calabash. It's not you know necessarily the village's calabash. Well, it's it's a calabash that we use as as Zulus. Yeah. To, yeah. Yeah, but it's, it's yours for the sake of grapes, as opposed oh, to... Oh, yes, yeah. yes, uh, the one that's good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, what did uh, your friends think when you told them that, you know, hey, I got this scholarship, record skip, it's for winemaking, record skip, it's in Stellenbosch, and all the instruction is going to be in Afrikaans? Well, I, I didn't know that it was going to be in Afrikaans before I left. Oh, wow, they um, didn't tell I was you that. No, no, I was told by the... Look, before I left the village. So when I left the village, obviously, at that time I didn't have a phone. So the only way you communicate with your friends is through writing letters. Uh, I know at that moment you're thinking, geez, are you from which? No, no, no. <laughs> so, yeah, I didn't have a phone that time. So um, there wasn't a way really that was going to be simple to communicate with my friends uh -huh. um, at home. Um, but when I came back, after I started already studying, I came back then to tell them what was happening oh. when I was coming back to visit home. Because when I left to, to study, I was already working in Durban. So I moved from Durban. Oh, okay. Yes, yes. So I feel like that's a little bit less of a culture shock going from... Is your area of KwaZulu-Natal more rural or is it uh, more urban? Or my, village, my village is rural. Yeah. Yes. So I stayed in Durban for a year, uh -huh. which is more urban. But there was still a shock because as much as I was staying in Durban, which is not that rural, when I came to Stellenbosch, I was like arriving in a place that is like completely culture different. You know when you step into a space and then you realize you're finding more white people than blacks? Yeah. It's like, okay, where is this? Where am I? Yeah. So th there was a complete culture well, you, shock. You and grew the up... language... Yeah. You know, so, yeah. And so, yeah, I can imagine growing up in, you know, almost monolithically black spaces, it would be exactly. a shock to suddenly be in, you might have well moved to another country at that point. Exactly, you know, and I remember, okay, this was part of me being a, I'm not sure a kid at that time, because I would say black person on campus and my, I go to speak to them, I go speaking Zulu. Because in my mind, I thought every black person speaks Zulu. <laughs> and only to find that, actually, no, we're all different. There's different tribes. There's different... Because even those who are not speaking Zulu, who are not Zulus in our village, they were speaking Zulu. So in my mind, I was like, everybody understands Zulu. So. And there weren't a lot of Zulu speakers at Stellenbosch. No. There were, but when I arrived at the beginning, they went because... Um, it was the beginning of the year, so it was still postgraduate students who were back on campus, and most of them were from North Africa. Now, through your influence, when you go back home, uh, do people enjoy your wines now? Do they, you know, have you kind of cultivated this little community of, of wine lovers in your corner of, you know, the corner of your birthplace, or are people still kind of suspicious about... No, people, actually, young people, they drink wine. But obviously, the wine they're drinking is not the wine that I'm making. Okay. So they, you know, the, the big companies, they manage to reach out to rural villages with their types of wine. So that's what, but they are drinking wine now. But it's not a day-to-day a -day thing. Yeah. It's not a, it, it's, it, they, they drink wine when there is like events, functions, ceremonies and stuff. So it gets included. Yeah. Yeah. 
It fulfills more of a celebratory function. Yes. Oh, brilliant. Um, which is a great segue into what you brought. So um, uh, you have your full line here, but uh, I wanted to um, you know, pop the cork on uh, one of your most special bottles. This is called Um Sasane, which is also an homage to your grandmother, is it not? Yep, it is. So Um Sasane is the acacia tree, which is an iconic tree in Africa, the tree of life. Um, but it's my grandmother's nickname. So that's why it's on the bottle. And, and she, she was the tree. Was she, she was, not? she yeah. was, absolutely. She yeah. was the tree. So, um, but this one is a blend of Cap, Cap Frank and Petit Vido. Uh, sorry? This, this blend, Um Sasan, it's a blend of Cab, Cap Frank and Petit Vido. And uh, where are you sourcing the fruit from? Stellenbosch. All Stellenbosch. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, for the sake of this wine, how do you describe it to people? You've talked a lot about, you know, wanting to kind of open up the wine world to people that don't have a particular set of tasting notes that are traditionally Eurocentric? You know, for people that, you know, don't typically enjoy wine, what do you say about this? So for me, I think what, what I've learned in the path as I've been walking in the path of the wine is that I remember when I started, people used to speak about truffles and I thought it was chocolate. And later I tasted the truffles and I realized that Actually, when you're tasting wine, you're retrieving the memory of things that you know. People can tell you what they're picking up, but you need to retrieve what you know and things that you've tasted. Stop looking for what people are saying, but ask yourself, what is it that I'm picking up? Um, and with that being said, I remember when the one of my wine in my previous job, when they were talking about truffles, when I smelled the truffle, it smelled like a calabash that we use for maturing milk. And then I was like, Igula, Amasi. So th th these are things I actually explain to people that when you're smelling the wine, just think about your own thing. Yeah. And there was one of the one I used to make, it was Sangiovese. Every time it took, it reminded me of when I had to go fetch the, fetch the cows uh -huh. in, in, in the field. And then literally in the grazeland, I'll walk through the forest and then maybe it's hot and then it drizzles and that smell of earth. And so the, there's been all these memories that get surrounded around this. But when it comes to Msasan, for me, this is the one I always say, it's basically love in the class. It's love in the class. You need comfort, this is love in the class. You want, it's your special day, this is what you need to have. It's the wine that I feel, you cannot just open a bottle just because. Unless you're like, you know what? Life is a celebration anyways, and you're in that mode then you open this bottle of wine. But every time I open it, it's more like a ceremony. Because it just, for me, it represents love in a glass. I love that. Um, yeah. I equally adore this wine and, you know, kind of South African uh, Cabernet Bordeaux blends because to me they have this um, kind of precocious warm fruit. Um, mm. Yes. Uh, but it's, it's layered with this really... Um, kind of profound, like dried herbal uh, mm -hmm. quality that feels very different to me than what you typically get out of Bordeaux. And, but also when you taste it, that part where you feel like you just wanna, you wanna eat, you wanna chew in it, that for me, it's like, it embraces everything. Yeah, and there's, there's something texturally that's yeah. really, you know, yeah. kind of silky and luxurious about it all. Um, you've worked harvest in Bordeaux. Yes. Um, you know, what was that experience like coming from South Africa? Well, I didn't really see much of a difference. I'll tell you why. Because the company I was working for at that time 
we were also working in terms of making wine in a traditional way, doing uh, punch downs, using open bin fermenters. And the cellar I was in, I was working at, basically, yes, we're doing pump overs, but at the same time, we had to do punch down with our feet. That was 2005 when I went to Bordeaux for the first time. And when I went again in 2013, I was working in a winery that is more technologically advanced, so everything was computerized and all that. But what I realized, it made me realize the difference in terms of our harvest season and their harvest season, and also in terms of fruits itself, to realize that our fruit is more richer in South Africa, but because we've got enough sunlight. You know, that's that what makes it more richer. It's, um, I think like humans, when, I'm not saying anything, but I'm just saying that Europeans staying in more winter places and we stay in summer places, so we're always bubbly. <laughs> so that's what wine does. Yeah. So. so you feel like to some extent it reflects, you know, the local character. Uh, so, yeah, I just feel like for me it's wine, per people, all, we all nature. So wine, you're talking about wine, you're talking about people, you're talking about plants, it all comes, resembles the same process and express itself in more or less the same way. Did traveling to Bordeaux make you appreciate South African wine more? Yes, yes. I, was, I, I remember 2013, I said, you know, for, I was like, God, thank you that I'm a South African because the struggle during harvest... You know, trying to get things right, trying to get... I was like, no, no. <laughs> like, I literally appreciated South African wine industry so much. I was like, you know what? I thought we had it hard. I'm not going to say that again. Because I used to say, like, oh, no, it's been a difficult season. And I was like, when I looked at, compared to the 2013 in Bordeaux, I was like, eh, what difficulty was I talking about? No. Yeah, yeah. Um, how many different growers are you working with for the sake of sourcing the fruit on the a wine three. like this? Three? Yeah. Oh, yeah. brilliant. And so I'm working with, with three for the reds, and then I'm working with two for the whites. Oh, lovely. Yeah. And uh, your, your line continues to grow. I was really excited to uh, see your Shannon uh, spend some time on the skins. We got a few bottles of that when it came into uh, uh, the, the market. Um, you know, for new listeners, I have a deep and abiding love of skin contact white wines or kind of hipster orange wines. And uh, I love the texture of that one. I thought it was, it was a really fun, um, you know, kind of introduction to that style. You are one of the lucky few who got it. Oh, great. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what happened is with the Shannon. I think it's, the, it's finally the thought coming into the class for me because I've always, since I started making wine, I was like, I wonder what happened when you ferment a white wine on skin. But I didn't have a space to experiment with that because I was specializing on reds where I was working. So we're just focusing on red wines. And so when I started Aslina, I was like, okay, I'm going to be able to do this. But then I needed until I get a place that is stable for us to so say, okay, this is the cellar we're working in 24-7, and this is what, you know, then that's when I was like, okay, fine, now I need to look at the vineyard, where I'm, what I'm going to do, which cultivar I'm going to work with and to make um, skin contact. So I had everything in my mind, I had the plan, how it's going to come out, uh, what I was going to do, how many days I'm going to keep it on skin, you know, and I remember speaking to, to, to the winemaker at Delheim, Rulof, I said to him, Okay, I'm going to be buying grapes. I need five tons of your grapes. Um, I need to make the skin contact shining. And he goes, have you made it before? I'm like, nope. He's like, so you know, even when it goes down, you're going to pay my grapes. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I was like, absolutely, I'm going to pay your grace, but this is what I want to do. You know, this is the chance I want to take. It's now. You know, it, it's now. So, yeah. So it's been one of the exciting, actually, projects that have, yeah. And are you going to make more vintages of that wine? Yes. Oh, that's exciting. Um, because it's still at the experimental stage, so I'm going to make more, but I'm keep on tweaking there and there until I really put the finger to the Oh, really this cool. Are it. you going to try different, you know, kind of vessels to age that wine yeah. in? Yeah. 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 Uh, you were just using stainless the first time around? First time I used stainless, and, um, and then now we're just going to be mixing a little bit, but off second and third field barrels, not using oh, the cool. oak. Um, Gasuki for micro-oxygenation. Yeah. So we're doing that. But also, we still have the stainless steel. Yeah. It's yeah. Shannon is so fun because it's such a versatile grape. Yeah. It does so many different things. Yep. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, there is more Shannon than any other white varietal in South Africa. Yeah. 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 Uh, um, what is the elevage? What is the aging like on the Umsasane? So, we aged uh, Umsasane for 16 months. Um, it's about, yeah, we're using the majority of the second field barrels. And then we've got a little bit of third fill, and then we've got about like 10% as new oak. Yeah, but it, it wears it really well. I yeah. mean, there's no, um, I mean, everything's just really beautifully integrated. And, you know, the sensation is one of like this seamless whole. Um, whereas, you know, with some wines that see new oak, you know, you have new oak, you know, over here. And then, you know, the rest of the wine is, you know, kind of, you know, chasing behind it. Or, you know, yeah. they're, 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 not, they're not joined. It's like an awkward adolescent. Yeah, I think one of the things is, for me, it always has been to say, I do like wood in the wine, but it must play a supporting role. The job is to be a supporter and not the, the main player or not the main actor. So, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a background vocalist, so hopefully, at the end of the day. Yes, absolutely. Now, absolutely. what kinds of things do you like to eat at home with wines like this? It's a special occasion, mind you, so... Uh, it has to. It has to be something fittingly special for the sake of the table. Well, I like mostly in winter. I like making oxtail, which is one of the problems that I struggle to order oxtail when I go to places, because I always like my oxtail. Um, there's actually um, there's not a huge Caribbean food scene here, but um, uh, there are a few restaurants. Uh, St. James just opened on uh, 14th Street. It's a place called Cane on H Street. But we have some, you know, strong, you know, oxtail, uh, yeah, game uh, happening locally. Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. So you're saying I must go try? <laughs> Is that what you say? I must go try my, so that I might get the one that's going to say, you know what, I prefer this one than mine. This, this feels like a great oxtail wine to me, though. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. It's uh, rich. And like, do you, what do you do with the oxtail? Are you just like long, long stew, long, long braise kind of situation? Or? Um, no, I, like basically it's like slow cook yeah. for about six hours. Yeah. Yeah. And I la what I've, I've noticed, comparing cooking dinner slow cooker and in the oven, I prefer the oven one. Oh, interesting. Yes. Uh, and, you know, what is the, like traditionally in South Africa, do they throw a lot of, you know, there's a, such a strong Indian influence for a lot of the cuisine there? Do they throw kind of like, you know, Indian spices at it? Do they throw, you know, kind of local spices at it? What's the... Uh... I do local spices, but mostly I always make sure that masala is part of it. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, it's like my secret ingredient, everything is masala. It's like, this is what I grew up with, yeah. and I make sure it's in there. And is that a stronger influence in KwaZulu-Natal than yes. it is elsewhere in the country? Yeah. It is. It is a strong yeah. influence. Because in, 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 in the Western Cape, you'll find 
um, more of the Cape Malay, the masala they have is more lighter, it's not as spicy as one in KZN. Yeah. Well, because KZN is more, or KwaZulu Natal, so I'm shortening the name, uh, is more Indian influenced in terms of spices. Yeah. yeah. And, and it's funny, like, uh, in terms of pairing with, you know, those flavors, to me, it's always such a, a fun game to play because, you know, in a lot of, you now if we go to, you know, for instance, Bordeaux or we go to Tuscany, they have their own local ideas about how pairing should work. Yeah. So there's kind yeah. of a, like a very, it feels very like Catholic to me. You know, there's like a I right don't... and wrong answer about what to pair with things. But, you know, with, with like, you know, your Indian spice inflected oxtail, like there's no tradition. No, you know? there isn't. And so you can, you can do whatever you want. Okay. Let me tell you, I've got a friend of mine. Um, we used to have or still do once a month, we do fish and chips. Okay. Nobody makes nice fish and chips in South Africa. Like proper, not, I'm not, that comes in a spool. <laughs> Newsprint. I'm like proper fish and chips that's got um, vinegar and salt. Oh, yeah, yeah, The malt that, vinegar. That's, that's the proper one. Not the one that you buy in restaurants. I'm talking about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So we've got that. So we used to have our fish and chips day. And she would pop by and we'll open a bottle of wine. And whether we're having a red wine or white wine, it didn't matter. But everything was always like fantastic. Yeah. So. Well, it's funny too. I find you know sometimes the the wine is as much about the company as it is about uh, you know. There you go. What's, what goes in the bottle. There you go. Yeah. Because you open the bottle and you're like, oh, this is so beautiful, and then you eat. And and too, when you're having anything that's obviously oily and whatnot, it it coats a bit. Yeah. So, but it's it's just as I I think one of the things that it's it's spices that really can make things work or not work. If it's not spiced or something, chances are it's going to work. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Um, and I, I feel like, you know, coming at pairing from this, you know, kind of more experimental, you know, let's see what work kind of place is always more rewarding. Exactly. I, th I think we, we should stop because I think one of the things, we should stop this thing of saying, no, if you've got this one, you must eat it with this. It's not a must. It's a suggestion. So, but you can play with anything that you feel. Because remember, we all from, come from different backgrounds. We've got different types of foods. So what am I going to eat is I need to look at the food that I'm used to. Yeah. And that's the food I need to try and pair with the wine. Not to go to the shops and now look for something that is written on the bottle. Yeah. Because then it defeats the purpose. Yeah. Now it's like too much work. While the aim was really to relax and have fun. Yeah, yeah. And, and I think, you know, um, it's fun to live in the mystery of it all. Um, you know, it, it, it's fun to just kind of, you know, experience it yourself. And sometimes it doesn't always work. I mean, yeah. <laughs> no, it doesn't always work. It yeah. doesn't. It's, it's like you're walking in life. Yeah. You don't know what, what's going to be happening. Yeah. You know, you're just hope, hoping that, okay, my plan is A, B, C. I'm hoping, but, and then plan goes, ah, no, A, D, B, it moves you around. Yeah. So, uh, which, is, which is a great kind of segue because, I mean, could you have ever imagined... Um, you're, you know, as you said uh, before we started taping, living out of a suitcase for several weeks. Could you ever have imagined this life for yourself? No, I, w <laughs> I, I didn't imagine. I wouldn't have imagined it. Yeah. Not uh, at all. Is this your first big trip post-pandemic? Yes. Yes. Uh, I think um, I came here before pandemic, but then post-pandemic, it's been a struggle to travel. And I'm like, I need to go back to travel. So you, you have missed it? I Somehow I realized that I missed it. Yeah. 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 And all of it, I, I thought I was fine. 
until I got on the plane. I was like, damn, I missed this. Oh, nice. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Um, and have you been to Washington, D.C. before? Yes. Oh, great. Yeah. We're thrilled to have you. Um, uh, how long ago were you here? I think that was 2018. 2018, okay. I can't remember the last time I was here in the States. Yeah, um, yeah. and I, I've chosen a, a local wine to share with you. You got a chance to, to try it earlier. Um, this spoke to me because it's another Bordeaux blend. So for the uninitiated, um, Bordeaux blend refers to the region, but it encompasses traditionally the Troika of Cabernet Sauvignon, uh, Cabernet Franc, and Merlot. Uh, incidentally, uh, Cabernet Sauvignon and Merlot, both the offspring of Cabernet Franc. Uh, there are some other also rands for the sake of Petit Verdot, um, which is uh, particularly important um, both in uh, South Africa and Virginia, um, even though um, there aren't a ton of the Grand Chateau in, in Bordeaux that plan it extensively uh, to this day. But um, at any rate, this is from Jim Law. He's at a winery called Linden in Linden, Virginia. And we're drinking his Claret, which is 50% uh, Cabernet, 25% um, Merlot, 14% Cab Franc, 11% Petit Verdot in this vintage, which is 2016. Uh, so 14 months um, in uh, neutral-ish French oak. Um, how does that blend compare to the Um Sassane? Um, I wouldn't want to compare the wines, but I'll tell you this. Since we've opened it, I'm just, I just came back now uh, to the glass. And actually, it's opening up. It's bringing me more fruit. Yeah. And then I took a sip, and I'm like, you know, as much as it tastes a bit lightish, but it's still, it's got that chewiness on the, on, on the tannins, which I'm assuming is the, it's brought in by the Petit Verdot. So, yeah. Yeah, Petit Verdot is really good here um, because it's one of those grapes you can just kind of let hang. Mm. It's, it's pretty indestructible, indestructible in the vineyard. And um, the challenge in the Mid-Atlantic, particularly in Virginia, is that, you know, every four years we might get like a tropical storm yeah. that comes through sure. around harvest. And, you know, grapes like, you know, particularly, you know, Merlot and, and, and Cab Sauv, they, they will just rot on the vine. But Petit Verdot yeah. is, is a lot hardier. You know, it, yeah. it will it will survive and endure, and you can, you can choose to, you know, yeah. harvest after the weather passes, and yeah. um, I, I really like it. I, I think... Uh, uh, look, it's a, it's, a, it's a nice wine. It's a really, it's a beautiful wine. Um, you can tell it's from a, co a cooler climate area. It's more, it's cooler even on the nose. While Umsasa, and it's from Stellenbosch, it's more richer. Um, it brings that, it's like, it's rich and big. It's got flesh. And this one can take a cooler climate, but so it's so elegant at the same time. So, yeah. Yeah, it's funny. Um, Jim says he likens this more to Burgundy than Bordeaux, um, you know, which... I, I don't, uh, which is that lighter part. It's yeah, more to yeah, that yeah. It, for, for me, it's more like the old-fashioned Bordeaux. You know, it's more mm. like those bottles that, you know, were 12.5% alcohol, were just, you know, stonier, more, more graphite, um, yeah, you yeah. know, mineral-driven uh, kind of entities, which is, which is a style that I utterly adore. But... It is fun to taste these side by side to me because they, they reflect very different places. Yeah. Um, you know, yes. and, and I love it. Because they need to show where they come from. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And, and which, is, which is what wine does um, at its best. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I think that's a really fun exercise for the sake of, of both of these offerings because, um, you know, they're made, they're not, you know, what hipster sommeliers would call like natural wines, but they're, they're made in a, in a very fluid, you know, kind of profound, poetic style that is trying to understand what nature is giving you and trying mm. to capture that in, in a bottle. Yeah, absolutely. And that's been fantastic. Yeah, I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad you're enjoying it. Uh, this one, it does have a little more age to it. So this is 2016. This is a pretty mm. typical growing season uh, locally. Uh, harvest was a little later than normal. Um, it was really mm. rainy, uh, but uh, they managed to escape with, um, you know, kind of 
uh, a good window for the development of flowers, development of the grapes early, and then uh, they didn't harvest until you know the end of September or early October, which is pretty late okay. yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, here. It's always hard to make the conversion north, north and south hemisphere. It's kind of meaningless unless uh, you're you're in on you're in on the joke. Um, but it equally appeals to me because uh, Jim Law is um, you know an amazing gentleman has had an amazing career and. Uh, began his life in agriculture as a volunteer for the U.S. Peace Corps mm. in uh, the former Zaire. Um, so, you know, he is very white, um, but uh, he has spent some time um, in Africa, albeit okay. a hugely different corner of, of yes, the yes, continent yes. Than, than South Africa, but, um, you know, it, you know, has that connection. Um, it equally speaks to me for the, to the fact that, you know, um, our country is not unlike South Africa in terms of you know, the legacy of structural racism and the makeup of the wine industry. You know, most mm. people um, who work in wine, uh, certainly most people in wineries here, look like me. You know, they, yeah. they, don't, yeah. they don't look like you. Um, and, you know, that is something that we um, are grappling with um, ourselves and has, you know, become, you know, even more obvious over the past couple of years in the midst of pandemic uh, yes, what has yes, that yes. experience been like um, in pandemic for you in, in South Africa? Do you see the industry, you know, transforming? Or do you feel like things are just kind of stuck in place? I, I, think, I think the South African wine industry is transforming bits and pieces. And also understanding that this transformation has to do with individuals at the same time. So um, when I look back, when I started uh, working in the industry, I used to go to wine shows and there would be like literally could count black people in that, in the space. But now when you go to wine shows, you'll find black people, whether they're behind the stands working or they're coming in to taste wine. So we slowly, it's changing. It's not changing at a high speed, but slowly changing. So um, I think also what happened, the pandemic showed us a lot of loopholes or a lot of gaps that South Africa has. And I'm hoping that with those lessons, as an industry and as a country, we're, gonna, we're learning to say, okay, how do we move from here to be as more, as more inclusive as we could? So, yeah. Um, I love you tell a story of uh, winning that first wine award. And uh, you talk about, you know, the only other black people in the room being some of the service staff and that they uh, burst out in applause when you, when you won the award. Yeah, that was actually, because for me it was like, oh my word, they know me. But of course, they couldn't, it was easy to know because I was like, still like a, you know, I don't know, like one of the, of the cons in the mess. Small fish. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. so you can really see. And, 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 and so it was for me, still at the beginning, and we're like, is this how the industry should be? What is happening? Yeah. You know, so again, that is slowly changing. Um, as much as sometimes you still walk into places and you're like, where are people who look like me, you know? Um, I think, again, being in the industry, I've built or I've met and I've made friends. And so I walk in and I've got friends, but it's just that conscious thought to say, okay, besides the friends that I've made in the industry, who else is here? Yeah. You know, so, yeah. And I think, you know, a wonderful thing about wine is it gives you this shared language that you know, can cut across, yeah, you know, yeah, um, yeah. you know, dividing lines in, yeah. in, a, in a really profound way. And you've spoken to that just in terms of, you know, having these dual experiences of in 
tasting rooms, having people, you know, incredulous that you're the winemaker, but by the same token, being able to call any of your colleagues and get, you know, whatever help you needed. Exactly. Um, I think for me that, the, especially the part of, of calling colleagues in the industry, it was a shock at the beginning because, you know, when you're from, I was from, just finished studying and listening to what the students were saying at that time and feeling that I'm not wanted here. And then thinking, when I get to the industry, it's going to be worse. But then when I got to the industry, it was a little bit different, uh, with the, especially with the fact that I could call a winemaker and say, I need help. Yeah. And a winemaker I've never met before in my life. Well, I mean, and, and honestly, in terms of access, there's not much more of a powerful barrier than instruction not being in, in your language. Has that, has that changed? It has changed. Um, there was a... There was a um, there was a documentary that uh, came out. I can't remember which was 2017 or 16. It said Leicester, which is listen in Afrikaans. Yeah. Um, students were complaining about that part of the language in the university that, you know, it's like we're being excluded by using the language. Yeah. Because if you want us here, accommodate us. Yeah. You know, and so that's when then they started at the university to say, now, okay, fine. They started doing the uh, bilingual. The well, and, and on top of that, as I understand it, Selimbosch, the university, was a center of apartheid. Was, yeah, that's was, why it was cooked. That was the kitchen and everything yeah, else. Yeah. Yeah. So you, you are literally going into the belly of the beast to... <laughs> <laughs> were, were any of your friends it's, like, it's, it's, you know... It's like I'm going to the belly of the beast and I'm expecting to survive and walk across. <laughs> were any of your friends just like, no, don't do it. Don't, it's, like, it's, just, it's a trap, you know? Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. Look, it was, um, it was scary. It was absolutely scary. Um, I think certain things help in life, like navigating the system and saying, how am I going to work around this? You know, the stress and pressure of all that... I don't want to lie, going through counseling at the university helped me to be able to pull through mm -hmm. at the university because I could see that I'm going to fail because I don't understand anything anyway in class and also trying to get um, tutors to... So I had to attend two classes, basically. You attend the class and then you get a tutor class and then you go attend that one oh. so that at least then you can understand what was happening in class. What do you feel like, you know, future and seekers need to thrive in this, in this industry? I think for me, it's all about, it has to come from the heart because you won't be able to fight any battle if it's not coming from within. So if you wanna be in the industry, it must come from within, it mustn't be something that comes from outside because then you're gonna easily feel the pressure. There's pressure everywhere, every day. There's the reality of the life of the industry or of the life of the world in general. So if whatever you're doing is from within you, it's from your heart, you're like, you know what, I wanna do this, I wanna walk this path, no matter what pressures will come through there, you'll just basically manage to navigate. But at least I think people are coming up now, there's information, there's people who've walked the path. Um, you need to go to them and get information because it's not gonna come to you. Do you feel mm -hmm. a, a sense of burden, you know, uh, for the sake of being one of those? those people? Not really, not really. Um, at the beginning, yes, yeah. it was heavy. At the beginning, when it started, I was like, is this what I'm, you know? But as time goes on and we're like, oh, okay, no. Because I remember talking to my boss and I'm like, 
this thing of being like the, the role model. And, and he was like, no, it means you just be yourself. You don't have to change any, because all I could say was like, it means now I must change and be, you know. And he was like, no, 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 no. You just be yourself, live your life. Yeah. That people will pick up what they want to pick up. And while we're that, um, I'm involved with the Pinotage Youth Development Academy. Mm -hmm. So we're training young people through the value chain of the wine industry. Uh, it's 18 to 25 year olds from around the townships. And we do job placement at the, at the, in the wine industry. And it's, for me, it's been one of the, the most fascinating things that to see those students when they start and then when they actually graduate. Because we're not just focusing on the technicalities of the, wine, of the wines and whatever surrounding the wine, but we focus on the personal development, which actually helps the person to deal with the inner part and be able to expose themselves to, to the world. So, yeah. Oh, that's brilliant. Um, now, we talked about kind of your, your first, you know, cringe moment uh, tasting wine. Um, was there a wine that kind of put you over? So, you know, I feel like you would have gotten your degree come hell or high water just because, you know. I have to. I yeah, have to. yeah, exactly. But, so, you know, was there a moment, you know, when you just kind of, you know, tasted a wine and thought, oh, yes. I get it now? Yes, there was. It was a Shiraz 1999 from Dalheim. Nice. I was working there as a student. So I've been busy doing tastings every, you know, every weekend I go to work, um, do tastings and whatnot. And then there was this one day, I don't know what happened, and then I tasted it. I was like, oh, whoa, this is my favorite. So this is my favorite wine. So, yeah. That's amazing. Um, and and I, love the, I love the fact that you kind of reverse engineered it. I feel like most people go from that moment to, you know, the... Uh, instruction educational piece and you started with the education and you you had faith that you know to some extent that that moment would would come to you yes i i think i believe that when you the path get paved when you need to do something you know um we're not all having the luxury of saying i'm gonna do what i want i'm gonna do what i like we do what is necessary we do what is needed so in my case, I had to do what was necessary and what I was needed. Uh, the liking part was just not part of the plan. So I'm grateful that even though I was doing what was needed and what was necessary, I ended, I liked the, I ended up liking the course. So, yeah. That's beautiful. Um, I have one more question for you, but I'm going to read a, a bit of verse before, before then. Um, <laughs> I was like, I don't have an answer. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. <laughs> Uh, I'm monopolizing your time. Thank you so much for giving us this. so much of it. Um, so this is from uh, actually an American-born uh, South African poet. Um, her parents uh, were in exile um, uh, uh, when she was born, and uh, she went back to uh, South Africa post-apartheid. Her name is uh, uh, Lebogang Mashil. Is it? Lebo oh, Lebogang Mashil. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Yeah, no, 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 no. Uh, I, yeah. I, I, was, I was just checking my pronunciation there. Yes, yeah. Lebogang uh, uh, yeah, Mashil. Yeah, she's a... Um, a performance poet and an yeah. actress, um, and this yeah. is called um, Inside Outsider. And um, this kind of spoke to me because uh, I read um, you had you got the New York Times profile treatment a while. This is yeah. like a, a decade ago. It's an older article. Yeah. Uh, but they, they came up with some great quotes, and, and I really loved um, uh, this one. You're talking about uh, the two worlds that you inhabit, and yeah. you said, "I live in two worlds. I'm still able to fit in in the village." Uh, speaking Zulu and eating pap. Pap is like a porridge, right? Pap, yeah. Yeah, uh, and 
Uh, I also fit in the European style world. In the, Europe, uh, in the European style, it's about striving, the me life, everything about me. In the village, it's all about the community. Yes. Um, I, I, thought that was, I thought that was really lovely. Um, but uh, this is insider, outsider. Home is a foreign land that hurls the might of its confusion around the world. Strangers believe they know my bruises, the smallness of boxes they call eyes, and woo them into a false comfort. I will not live in boxes, they are not my home. Home is laughter, home is rounded figures. Home is a sharpened mental weapon to be wielded against foreigners of the spirit. I am tired of being different. My feet burn from the fires of those who have been anointed with the certainty of origins. I will wander the earth in search of my tribe or build it from the shreds of boxes with my own hands. That is beautiful. Uh, that I, is, yeah. Uh, I, just, I, like, I like the idea of you, um, uh, you know, building your own future from you know, the, the shreds of, of wine boxes, because um, I think that's what you're doing. Um, uh, Thank for you. The, that's a beautiful poem. I'm like, actually, it resonates. Yeah, it's, it's a, yeah. a lovely bit of verse. Uh, this, yeah. is, this is why we, we like to share uh, uh, poems. And, and, you know, they're, they're universal. Every culture has, has poetry. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, uh, my last question for you was, you know, um, you couldn't come from a more different, uh, you know, world than, than I do. You know, yeah. the, the line, um, you know, in this particular poem that, that speaks to me is a certainty of origins. I yes. was born with certainty of origins. I was born to privilege. I didn't have to worry, you know, in the same way that you did about, um, you know, succeeding at whatever, you know, I, I had the luxury of failing, um, yeah. which, is, which is not someone that, something that everyone has the, the luxury to, to do. And I, I got into the wine industry because I failed out of a very nice liberal arts college. Um, yet here we are, you know, sharing the same table, talking about uh, the same wine. What to you is universal about wine? What do you love so much about it? For me, wine brings people together. It's conversational. It's, um, it's, it's a natural product that basically keeps on changing that makes people start conversations if it's, they're open to it. That's the other part. So it's basically a place to share. I love that. Well, thank you so much for joining us in Sika Biala. Um, in Siki, I apologize. Yes. Um, uh, just uh, for the sake of uh, those of you listening, where can people find you, find your wines? You're, you're online, are you not? We, <laughs> online, that is in South Africa only. Oh, okay. Yeah, that oh, okay. is for South Africa only. But here in the States, you can get our wines in most places in D.C. And you have, you have Instagram, don't you? Yes, we do have Instagram. Um, it's aslina underscore wines. I think so. Yeah, you, you post. I'm, I'm really bad at the Instagram thing, too. So yeah, so <laughs> yes. Yes, we've got Instagram, and then we've got Twitter, we've got Facebook. They're all saying Aslina Wines written in different forms. Are you, are you in charge of all those accounts? No. <laughs> <laughs> I can't do it all. I cannot. No, no, we, we've got someone who's dealing with our social media. Oh, nice. Um, I'm only in charge of my own personal oh, Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. Hence, it doesn't get posted all the time. Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you again for joining us. Uh, for those of you listening, if you want to find us, we are um, on uh, the Instagram, at uh, Universe in a Glass. And uh, if you're looking for the wines that we tried today, um, uh, the Aslina Umsane, the Linden Claret, those will be available for sale at Reveler's Hour across from our studio at the Line Hotel. Uh, thank you all again for joining us. Stay searchy and stay tuned for more.
the universe in a glass.